Good evening, everyone. I hope you're really enjoying our Christmas service this evening. Um, I'm even more nervous than I was last night um, about setting something on fire up here. Um, because last night I was in my comfortable jeans, and tonight I've been crowbarred out of them, and we're feeling a wee bit nervous about what could catch fire here. So this could all end really badly. Anyway, um, before we go any further and before I kind of get started into what we're actually going to talk about tonight, I want to figure out who's my friends and who aren't in the, in the audience tonight. So we need to see where we all stand. So you are going to have to participate. It will only involve you raising a hand. That's all. Okay. Um, nothing else. You are allowed multiple hand raises in this section. Okay. You don't just have to pick one. And I don't care whether we're talking about movies or we're talking about written, so books and comic books. I don't care which you're going for, all right? It's just, you know, what ones do you like and what do you not? So we're, we're going to give you a few options here. If this is something that you're a fan of, you stick your hand in the air so that I can see who are the people with taste and who are the <laughs> people who don't. Anyway, moving on. Um, Narnia. Who have we got any fans of Narnia? The Chronicles of Narnia. Books or movies? Don't care which it is. Stick your hands in the air. No idea why everybody's hands are not in the air. Move on, Debbie. Um, Harry Potter. Any Harry Potter fans that are prepared to admit to it in the church? Yes, we've got a few. Excellent. What about the MCU? Marvel Cinematic Universe, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about. Any Star Wars people here? What the heck? My days. Okay, any Middle Earthers? Well, there's not as many as Star Wars, is all I can say. Uh, for those, because I was approached last night and asked by a few people, Middle Earth, please. Um, I nearly kicked them out of the church. Um, <laughs> Lord of the Rings is what we're talking about, and The Hobbit. Um, Disney. Do we have some Disney fans? Who loves a good wee Disney movie or the fairy tales that went with them? Anybody that's going to say, and I have to be really careful, I was, I was corrected last night. Anybody prepared to say that they're really old, old school movies, Disney movies? So we're talking Bambi, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, right? Old school apparently is The Lion King. That's going to make some of us feel old right now, can I just say, right? Okay. Right, well, there's a few of you that we're going to get on, okay, so that's good. What is it about those movies or those books that grabs us? I mean, I didn't look at all of you, okay, so there's probably some of you in the room didn't put your hands up for any of those and are currently wondering what on earth is going on. But most of us had our hands up for something there. What is it? What is it about even this, this time of the year, Christmas, that seems to ignite something within, within a human being? I want to suggest tonight that um, because the majority of us in the room, not all of us, grant you, but the majority of us are adults, I want to suggest to us that even as adults, there is a desire within us to escape the mundane, to escape the ordinary. There's a desire that life would be just a little bit more magical than it actually is. I mean, have you ever watched one of those movies or read one of those books and that phrase has crossed your mind, you know, wouldn't it be amazing if? Was I the only child? Possibly was, because I was a little bit weird. Was I the only child who read The Land, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and then tried the back of her wardrobe <laughs> with the hope that it would open up into an, a, a, a different land? 
Wouldn't it be amazing if hobbits were real and you could be friends with one? How cool would that be? Or you could ride a broomstick. You see, there's this desire within us. Where does it come from? Where does that yearning for something just a little bit more magical come from? C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, said this, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. C.S. Lewis um, wrote the Chronicles of Narnia and many, many other books around the idea of God and faith. He believed in God and he believed passionately in the story that we find in Scripture. He didn't always. He spent the first chunk of his life um, as a confirmed atheist, absolutely confirmed that it was all nonsense. He had come to that decision as a child. And the truth is that he would have said himself that he didn't even want to believe when he found himself coming to faith. He described himself at one point in time as the most reluctant convert in all of Christendom. He didn't want to believe this story about God. But as an adult, he came to the conviction that the story of Scripture simply made more sense than anything else. So tonight what I want to do is I want to share a little bit of the story of Scripture, the story that C.S. Lewis believes so passionately and a story that finds its fulfillment in the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of the one called Jesus, the one who's, who first came as a baby in a manger. And I want to read tonight, you'll not be shocked, those of you who have been following some of our um, devotionals and stuff, that we're going to go back to the Gospel of John. And we're going to read the first, let's start with the first four verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. And I want to suggest to you that in the beginning, what we had was an awareness that was lived. That phrase in the beginning, as Sophie pointed out to us, it takes us right back to the actual beginning, the beginning of the story of Scripture. In the beginning, it says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God. John tells us in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning, there is God, and God made everything that we see. Everything finds its source in God. Genesis tells us that he creates humanity and he created them, the Bible tells us, using this phrase, in his image. When God made humanity, he placed within us, right in the very core of who people are, he placed something of the divine. We were made in his image. And he placed humanity into a garden. This place where two worlds come together. The natural and the supernatural. The human and the divine. Because we're told that God walks and talks with people. In the beginning, there isn't a yearning for something more. That something more is the lived daily experience and it's lived 
in the presence of God. Isn't it interesting that in so many of those, those books and those movies that I referenced at the start, there is some idea about another world, about someone coming from another world or people going to another world. Well, back in the beginning, humanity didn't live with some yearning for another world. Humanity was very clear that there is another world, one that cannot be seen and heard and touched and tasted and smelled the way we can the physical world around us, but one that was real nonetheless. Why did they know that? Because they experienced it daily, walking and talking with God. But something happened right back at the beginning. Something got lost. That awareness of the reality of the presence of God was lost whenever humanity chose to go their own way, to choose to live life without God instead of living life in the presence of God. That awareness slips out of humanity's consciousness. Oh, there are moments... In the first part of our Bible, which is called the Old Testament, when you read through it, there are glimpses, there are moments. There are angels that visit people. There are bushes that go on fire, but they don't actually burn up. There, are, there is a nation of people walking, across, walking through a body of water on dry land when they should never have been able to. There are voices that are heard, but they're all flashes. They're all moments. They're not everyday experience. In fact, the truth is, John tells us, In verse 9, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. You see, the awareness of God had been lost. And so when one comes from that other world, he wasn't even recognized. We didn't know who he was because someone did come, did step out of that other world, the one that we cannot see and hear and touch. He chose to step into our world to become a human being and not for a moment, not to give us a flash of that experience, a momentary glimpse of that other world, but rather instead to live a life up close and personal with other human beings. And not just other human beings, guys. Think about it just for a second. Because Jesus came as a baby with parents and worse still, siblings. And he lived a life up close and personal in a family, rubbing shoulders every day. And the night that he came, that other world was on full display. Luke tells us about it in Luke chapter 2 in a passage we're so familiar with. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And up to that point... 
This is like all of those other momentary flashes that had come and gone within the Old Testament. Angels appearing and then disappearing. That's what was going on up to that point. But then something shifts and changes because Luke says, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. You see one angel showing up to give you a message. That one angel, well, that could just be something bad that you ate the night before. Some dream that you had that you can write off, but a multitude of angels lighting up the sky, shining a light that you had never seen before, declaring in song the birth of a baby. That's not something you're going to forget. And the night that this one came from another world, the whole of the supernatural glory of that world was on display for a bunch of shepherds and their sheep. And because he came, because he came from that other world, because he was born in Bethlehem, that awareness was restored. Because look what John goes on to tell us in John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word, the same word that was in the beginning, the same word that was with God, the same word that was God, that word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 18, no one has ever seen God. The only God, Jesus, who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Because Jesus came, he restored to humanity the possibility of living with an awareness of the presence of God. Did you hear Cal and Richard and Barbara speak about the reality that God is present in their lives. That's what Jesus restored to us. You see, the hope of Christmas is that because God became human, so it is possible for humans to be restored to a relationship with God. We can once again live with the awareness of that other world, that one that we do not experience physically. But how often do we ever really consider all that? You see, we're in this really funny place in 2023. Right back in the beginning, humanity was living in this place where two worlds came together, where they on a daily experience, or daily, um, they experienced the, the supernatural. They were surrounded by the presence of God. And the story of scripture is that one day in the future, that is again going to be the story of all of humanity that choose to trust in Jesus. Is that one day they are going to be in a place where they will once again fully experience the presence of God. They will live not with a yearning for more, but with a daily lived experience of that more. But today we're here. And there is just so much that is ordinary about here. And yet tonight, tonight we're in this place, this physical location, this church, and we're reflecting on a story that we know so well, a story of a baby in a manger, of shepherds, of wise men, of angels, and of a star. And it is a story that screams to us, there's more.
there is more. Screams to us that God is real, that there was a time in the history of this earth when he walked and talked with people. In fact, the truth is, he is still present among us today. It's just that we do not have the awareness of him all the time. But he invites us to become aware of him. He invites us to choose to live our lives with him instead of without him. And Jesus came so that it would be possible for us to do that. And so tonight, I just want to finish with a really simple question. How will you respond to that invitation? Because it is an invitation, guys. It's an invitation that comes from God. And as with any invitation, you get a chance to decide how you will respond. Maybe tonight your response is just simply that you have more questions than answers. That's okay. All I would say to that response is ask your questions. Don't bury them. Don't pretend they're not there or pretend they don't matter. Don't tell yourself that you'll get answers someday because we all know that someday never comes. Maybe tonight you're in the place and maybe it's the reason you actually came here tonight. It's because you have known for a while that God is inviting you, that he is calling you to respond to his invitation. And tonight is the night when you want to say yes to that invitation. Right here, right now you could say yes to him. You don't even have to say it out loud because he will hear you. Or maybe the truth is that a long time ago you heard that invitation from Jesus and you said yes. But over the years and over the life experiences, the awareness of his presence in your life the awareness of the reality of him, it has just dimmed and dimmed until there is almost nothing left. And maybe tonight as you hear his invitation again, your response will be, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. You see, C.S. Lewis also said, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. But if true, it is of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. If God is real, if everything that he said in this book is real, and I believe it is, then this invitation is life-changing and it is the most important invitation you will ever receive. And the one thing that I don't want anyone in this room to do tonight is to walk out those doors and ignore 
that invitation. So I ask again, how will we respond? Why don't you take a minute, just a moment, How are you going to respond tonight? Father God, you didn't have to make us and yet you did. You didn't have to come after us when we walked away from you, and yet you did. And you most certainly did not have to come as a human being, as a baby in a manger, and yet you did. Father God, may the reality of the love that flows from you to each of us be something that is felt in this room tonight. Holy Spirit, would you stir our hearts? Would you speak to us? Would you resign that invitation in our hearts and minds so clearly that we cannot ignore it tonight? Give us the courage to respond as you are calling us to respond. In Jesus' name, amen.